Welcome to the podcast series, Here for the Horses, presented by Racing Victoria. In each episode, we'll be discovering how Victorian racing is progressing as a leader in equine care. Your host, Marie McEwen. Welcome to another episode of Here for the Horses. In this episode, we'll discuss and discover what's required to prepare a horse for racing as a two-year-old and the telltale signs of when they are or aren't ready to race. Skeletal development in two-year-olds is a fascinating subject and it's great to be joined by an expert in this field, leading equine vet, Professor Chris Whitten. Chris, thanks for joining us to discuss the skeletal development in two-year-olds. Firstly, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your current role? I'm the head of the Equine Centre at the University of Melbourne uh, in Werribee and I have been an equine vet um, now for nearly 40 years. Um, I worked in private practice as a vet dealing with day-to-day problems of both um, all kinds of horses but then more focused as my career went on on racehorses. I've worked on racetracks. I've then gone into the university and developed my skills in research and in the specialty of equine surgery. And I'm now, I've now been at the University of Melbourne uh, coming up for 19 years and focusing on research into injury prevention in racehorses in particular, but um, it applies to all horses, and um, doing, developing the diagnostic imaging in particular, but all the veterinary facilities that we have had um, at the university, although in more recent years we've been focusing on the imaging in particular. You have got a really unique perspective. The trainers, I guess, see the outside of a horse and you from the other side, you can see the inside of a horse. Tell us about a horse's skeletal system and I guess how it all works. Yeah, so we generally think of the skeleton of a horse, or any skeleton of a mammal, but particularly of the horse as a static thing. But it's the more we understand it, the more we realise it's very dynamic. So it both has to adapt to what it has to do, and in the case of a racehorse, has to adapt to galloping at high speed, as well as it has an inbuilt, inbuilt repair mechanism, which really only functions particularly well when horses are resting from training or in lower levels of training, when we are pushing horses hard, so when they're fully fit and we're pushing them hard, the repair process is relatively inactive. So we have to balance that enough training to adapt the skeleton to what it has to do um, with enough rest periods um, to allow repair because micro damage is inevitable um, with fast galloping and so we need to allow that to occur. So it's that getting that balance right between enough, you can have horses where we don't do enough work and so their skeleton is not resilient and that can cause injury or where we do too much work over too long a period and we end up with micro damage accumulating and we get injury that way. So it's a real balance between enough stimulus for the um, skeleton to be resilient without overdoing it so we go into an injury with too much um, work. Would shin soreness be an example of that? Shin soreness is a bit different in that it's, it's, it's an early sign that we've overdone the training and it's actually not an injury in itself it's just a very rapid adaptation to the increasing workload and when you get very when the when the horse feel or the bone feels like it's not keeping up it just throws as much bone as it can into the front of the shins as quickly as possible and that in itself is a painful process sensible in that it's telling the horse to slow down um, but, but it's it's not actually pathology in itself. It's just a very rapid change in the bone thickness caused by the bone struggling to keep up with the increasing workload. So then when a horse is starting to 
feel their shins. Can a trainer work them through it or is it just best to rest them? So, well, there's two approaches you can take and it probably depends on the severity. Um, it's probably a sign that, well, it is a sign that you've gone too fast too quickly and so you need to back off to some degree. So you can either completely stop, as a lot of trainers do, and that makes sense, or you can back off the training and allow the skeleton to catch up. Um, and, and either way is probably appropriate, but the simple way is to give the horse a rest anyway. And we know that if the shins are telling us that the skeleton's not coping, there may be other parts of the horse that horse's skeleton that aren't coping. And so a rest period is probably sensible to, as I said before, allow the repair process to kick in for all the skeleton. Like the shins might just be that flag that the whole skeleton is not coping. So um, it's probably sensible to allow the horse a rest period. And the beauty of two-year-olds is we know that everything happens really quickly so that you don't have to rest them for as long as you do an older horse. Um, and probably, you know, six weeks, even sometimes a short period less than that might be, a, might be okay because they catch up really quickly because their, their skeleton is much more dynamic than an older horse. And talk to me about growth plates. We hear often in two-year-olds about their growth plates. So tell us about growth plates. <laughs> so... Growth plates are where long bones, so like a cannon bone or a humerus, grow from. And they um, are obviously very active in young growing foals. And as, as the horse gets towards its full size, they get less active. And in the completely mature horse, they close. That is, as in the cart, there are a, a line of cartilage um, across from one side of the bone to the other. And that uh, slowly gets replaced by bone and as the um, growth plates closed. Now, as a vet, um, the only time I'm really worried about growth plates is in young foals because they can be born with legs that are bent, as we know, and um, not straight. And so that, that's when we worry about growth plates and we try to do things to make sure they have good conformation. But once horses are, um, you know, sort of getting close to fully grown around about the late yearling to two-year-old stage, we don't, it's very rare for us to have problems with growth plates. Most of the injuries we see from then are the joint surfaces and the bone itself rather than the growth plate. And so there's this sort of, um, the industry gets worried and I hear a lot of people worried about growth plates, but as vets, we don't worry about them too much once we get beyond the foal stage. And I'm not really worried whether they're closed or open. What I'm worried about is whether the whole skeleton is ready for the workload that it um, is going to in encounter. And that is dependent on how much work the horse has already had. So you can introduce work very early, as long as you do it carefully, um, and the, the, the skeleton will strengthen. And in fact, the younger the skeleton, the quicker it strengthens. And so you have this benefit of introducing work relatively early to horses has been shown to increase their strength, reduce their injuries over the long term. Um, and most horses that start at a younger age, um, provided it's done carefully, and there is that big proviso, um, most of those have longer careers. Yeah, because that's really important for the welfare and the longevity of the horse is to set them up to have the most successful life in racing and to be able to handle that training and racing for the longevity of that horse through their career. That's true. And so there's there's been a number of studies that have shown that horses that race as two-year-olds tend to have longer careers and have fewer injuries. Um, but that doesn't mean you can do what you like with a two-year-old. You still have to be very careful. Their skeleton is, um, although it adapts very quickly and has much greater potential for adaptation, it is still not as strong as a three or four-year-old horse, and so you have to limit the amount of 
racing that and training that you do with it once you get it adapted. Um, and so I would argue that it's important to introduce trialling and racing early, provided you do that in a limited way. And the other good thing about two-year-olds is that they respond well to short rests. So if you in- introduce short rests regularly in two-year-olds, we've shown that those horses also have fewer injuries. So more frequent, shorter rest periods for two-year-olds is of benefit, whereas once you get to an adult horse, we've shown that they need longer periods of rest um, to allow bone healing because they've accumulated more damage. Have you noticed a way in the, the way that trainers train differently two-year-olds now that they are giving horses shorter periods of rest where perhaps in years gone by it was the three-month spell? We don't really have the evidence for that. Um, uh, and there's a, what we've found is that there's a wide variety in how trainers train. We, we did a survey a few years ago looking at the training methods that trainers in Victoria use, and there is a wide variety on what, what they do. So there's no, not a common thread there on, on, as to how long they'll, they'll give them. Okay. And talk to me about bone density in young horses. So, again, when you have a skeleton that hasn't been exposed to galloping, it has less bone. When you expose it to galloping, the bone increases. The, the amount of bone that they carry in both their joints and their long bones increases, and that's what is happening with shin soreness only in a very rapid and a not very organised way. We'd like to do that more carefully and slowly. Um, so as, you, as training progresses, the thickness of the cortex of the bone increases and the amount of bone or the bone density underlying the joints increases. Um, and we need to try and do that in a controlled method over time um, but yes, that's what happens when we introduce training. We slowly increase the bone and we have to, to make that bone resilient and able to cope with the um, going fast for longer periods as the horse's career progresses. So workload rest, is there anything we can give our horses as a feed supplement to help their bones? The, I, I mean, most, most, horse, most horses, if they're fed appropriate diets, are getting enough calcium and phosphorus, and provided they're getting the right calcium-phosphorus ratio, and you know that's the best way to find that out is to consult a nutritional expert, um, then most horses are okay. Um, where you'll get into trouble is if you, you, you're not feeding them enough. You've got your calcium-phosphorus balance incorrect, or you've not got enough calcium. I, we feel that that's not very common, but, um, you know, the nutritional experts do say that they do see some trainers that, that are not providing enough in the way of calcium, but uh, that's a really a nutritional person's area to examine. But, yeah, I think for me, provided you're feeding the horses well, the more critical thing is how you're introducing the work and then how you're managing it as you go along and combining that with the appropriate rest periods. And the equine limb injury prevention program is something that you run. Can you tell us about that? So that's a research program that's been funded by Racing Victoria, the Victorian State Government and the University of Melbourne. It's now been running for seven years. It involves, um, basically it involves a, a multidisciplinary approach. So we have mechanical engineers, we have data scientists, we have bone biologists, all working towards understanding how the skeleton works, how it how it adapts to training and how we can reduce injury rates in horses um, with a combined sort of approach because you can't look at these things in isolation. We have a mechanical load on a skeleton and then we have the biology that's responding to that and then we have a lot of data and we're getting more and more data now with new technology that we have to analyse to try and understand what the risk factors are and how we can mitigate those risk factors. And we've actually had... uh 
Kieran Mars, Katrina Anderson in here, mm-hmm. and she said she's been involved with you previously. Yeah. And it's a fascinating the, what Kieran's doing and how they're involved with you as well through sure. your research. Yeah, so, I mean, it, for us to get the right sort of data, we need to have cooperation of people and trainers. Um, it's wonderful when trainers cooperate with us and provide us data and that sort of thing. So that's really important for us. Um, and, yeah, Katrina did a uh, master's with us and um, she's gone on to work with Kieran Ma's team and, you know, that's been a great link for us and really important to be able to get hold of really good data to understand what's going on. And I guess part of your job is to help trainers have access to the technology to pick up issues early in horses and prevent injuries. Yeah, so in an ideal world, we would train horses so that they didn't get injured. But of course, there's always going to be outliers and there's always going to be horses that, um, you know, you apply what is a sensible um, exercise regimen to and they still develop injury. And that's where horsemanship comes in and the best horse women and horsemen that I've dealt with monitor their horses very closely and they may not be able to tell you that something what's wrong with the horse but they can tell you that horse is not right and then it comes down to the veterinarians to work out what the problem is and so where we've been working on is with the imaging side of things to try and understand what sort of things to well as imaging gets more sophisticated, we can see more and more detail, and then the obvious thing is to try and understand what that all means. And we showed with the issues that they've had around the spring carnival with the international horses that um, we were already working on this when the last couple of deaths happened, and one of the things that we showed was that the CT probably would have picked up around about 60 to 70% of the injuries that had occurred um, because when we CT'd the legs post-mortem, we could see changes that we knew were there before the horse fractured its leg. Um, so we've been able to introduce that, and that's why we're doing all this screening now, and we've just finished doing, I think we've done just over 40 horses again this year for the Melbourne Cup and Spring Carnival to try and pick up those horses that are at risk of, greater risk of injury so that we can avoid sending a horse around that's its risk is unacceptable. So tell us what happens when those spring horses come to you for scanning. What what actually happens? Oh, so when they come to us, um, basically they're unloaded into a box. We sedate them. They, they're walked into the CT room, we image their front fetlocks, we turn them around, we image their hind fetlocks, they walk back to the box and they recover. It's about a 30-minute procedure per horse. Our biggest day this year, we did 10 horses in a day, so we can get through quite a lot with our system. Our system's very efficient, and it allows us to image all four legs very quickly and efficiently. And then probably the, the what takes the longest is then is the interpretation because you get a lot of images which then have to go around to the expert panel to be examined and that can take a little while for them to be examined properly and for a a verdict to be made on them. So the program Racing Victoria has put in place for the Spring Carnival is all about safety and that's something that you've been working on for a long time as well so it's really great that you've got the technology and you're able to help Racing Victoria and for the welfare of the horses. Well it's about risk management you know you've and, and any industry deals with those sorts of things you've got accidents happening you have to work out what the risks are and then mitigate the risks and that's what we're doing. And what programs have you got for the future? Uh, well, we're continuing to work on our research program. We, we, the, one of the biggest things that we're working on now is the inertial sensor data that we've... So we've shown that, that horses wearing inertial sensors when racing, uh, we can detect some changes prior to inj- injury for up to five to six races prior. Now, that takes complex 
data analysis to, to do that, and we're trying to work on that to make that more practically usable. It's really a proof of concept so far. So that's an area we're working on very hard, and we're trying to get more uptake of inertial sensor monitoring of horses, both in training and racing, um, something that we're hoping to work on with QMR, because uh, they do a fair bit of that as well. And also in the imaging side of things, we're continuing to develop the databases and the information around the CT imaging. And then next year, we've got the PET hopefully coming online, um, which is a new modality similar to bone scanning, but much more detailed and allows us to understand the CT gives us the structure, the PET will give us the bone physiology. The two of those together will be a very powerful mechanism of understanding what's going on in a limb. Well, it sounds like there's certainly some really exciting things happening right now and in the future for everything that you do. It's been a pleasure to have you in the studio. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've just been listening to an episode of Here for the Horses from Racing Victoria. Your host was Marie McEwen. Here for the Horses is produced at the studios of RSN Racing and Sport. You can download more episodes from the series at equinewelfare.com.au. Dot com.au. Dot